Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. And now that heart is beating fast And that's the rhythm I can dance to I'm mighty glad I've got a chance to That one big heart that's beating fast Tomorrow morning let it rain Tomorrow morning let it pour Tonight we're in the groove together Ain't gonna worry about Stormy Gonna kick all trouble out the door. Beat out all trouble and Welcome to Radical Australian Community Radio 3CR, streaming live on 3cr.org.au. Dowager, how art thou going? I'm reasonable. Okay. A.K.A. Dale. <laughs> I'm pretty good, Joe. How You're are pretty you? Pretty good, yeah. Look, if, can I uh, borrow some money off you? <laughs> sure. Oh, thanks. That's okay. <laughs> now, look, I've got a confession to make. I um, turn up at the door at four minutes to four, as I normally do. Being a show pony, I don't have to do any work here at 3CR. <laughs> Dale does all the work. The staff, you know, run the station. I see this woman who looks vaguely familiar turn up at the door at the same time. And I say... Him is Cruz, <laughs> and she says yes. And I says, "What are you doing here, Lani? Lani, what are you doing here, Lani?" But I called her Lani, and I said, and she said, "I'm here to be interviewed." But I said, "I interviewed a few, what two weeks ago." I thought Zoe was coming. We barely scratched the surface, though. Yeah, but Zoe was coming. But it's her birthday, oh, so she so birthday. she piped out. Happy birthday, Zoe, if you're uh, listening. Well, I hope she is listening. I mean, she stood me up and she sent you in her stead. She did me a favour. Yeah. I'm sure her life would be pretty boring compared oh, to yours. I don't think so. Welcome back, Lainey Cruz. Thank you very much. Thank you for telling me how to be Lainey. Short for Elaine. Why don't you just call yourself Elaine? We went through that last time. Softer, softer like it yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. This week we're going to concentrate on your activism. Right. So we're not going to go through all the other garbage. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, what's the f- <laughs> what's the first thing you remember regarding your first activist campaign? Uh, actual campaign. Hmm. Actual campaign, like I went to marches and things. You went to marches? I went to the moratorium marches. Excuse me, you're that old? Yes, I am that old. You're as old as I am? Nearly. 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 I'm aiming to be, that's my goal. What, to be as old as me? Short-term goal. Short-term goal, that's good. (laughs) So you went to the moratorium marches, we're here in uh, Melbourne? Yes. The the big 1970 march? Yes, I did. How old were you then? 17. 17, what do you remember about it? Oh, it was huge. It was amazing. The feeling of it was amazing. Uh, we were walking with uh, the Maritime Union painters and dockers and the, with the Builders Labourers Union. Um, just the diversity of the people at the march. There were parents with their children. There were older people. There were workers. It was just amazing. Just really powerful. Just for younger listeners, and we do have one listener under 30, I understand. (laughs) (laughs) What was the moratorium all about? 
So it was about stopping our involvement in the Vietnam War to stop conscription. Mm-hmm. And in particular, I had friends that were being, well, they were actually dodging the draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was part of a, a network of people that had um, uh, draft resistors staying at our house. Uh, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. <laughs> Did you just say you had draft resistors staying at your house? I was a minor at the time. <laughs> were, you, were you at home? I was with my partner. With your partner, yes. right. Yes. So you my had... husband, actually, because well, yeah. I got married. I was a child bride. You were yes. a child bride. We won't go yes. into that. No, what, were you we've been into that. We've been into 17. that. I was 17. 17, all right. Yes. So what were these draft resistors doing at your place? Well, they were avoiding getting arrested. So why your place? <laughs> Oh, they had a whole network of places, mm. so we were just on a roster, I guess. Right, right. <laughs> we had a friend, uh, jo- his name was John Halpin, mm. and he was quite prominent. Uh, he was a law student, I think, at La Trobe, mm. and, uh, yeah, he would stay with us, then someone else would come, and right. so, yeah. People just turn up and just rummage, up. Ra- rum, rummage <laughs> around your fridge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> something like that. And sleep on the mattress and <laughs> on the floor. Like we had yeah. a spare bed, a spare room. Yeah. Yeah. How long did this last for? Uh, I think till the... the we got so you did this for two years? Yeah, yeah. Oh. It wasn't every day, but no, yeah, people yeah. were welcome. And we'd often go to court with John. Um, he did go to court. Mm. <laughs> he just didn't want to get picked up in between court appearances. And he right. seemed to charm the magistrate. Oh. And, you know, he'd get up and deliver a little bit of a speech. And mm. he did go to prison uh, for short bursts. But I remember him asking the magistrate not to have his hair cut. And what did the magistrate Magistrate say? agreed because it was only seven days that he didn't have to have his hair cut. Oh, that's nice. And yeah. did they actually listen to the magistrate? Yes. They did? Yeah. All right. Yeah. On a more serious note, um, there were people dying. Yeah. There were being people conscripted. They were young enough not to be able to vote, but old enough to die for the country. Absolutely. And mm. it wasn't a war that we belonged in mm. had mm. anything to do with us. So, so what drew you to the moratorium? I think uh, perhaps my friendship with John mm-hmm. uh, and I was just learning, I was just starting to learn that the things my parents told me weren't right. Mm-hmm. I remember my stepfather lecturing me about the domino theory, which was that, um, you know, the Asians, whoever they were, <laughs> which in this case the Vietnamese, were mm-hmm. going to work their way down mm-hmm. to Australia and take over if we didn't kill yeah. them in Vietnam. And young people like you heard about the Malaysian insurgent emergency? No. You knew nothing about no, that, the just, Malay emergency? I was just, Where we stopped them there? Oh, okay. We stopped them. <laughs> okay. I was just a bogan in the suburbs, uh-huh. just living my life. Uh-huh. Uh, and suddenly I was being given all this information by people. And well, how come you found yourself in these radical milieu? Um, I guess it was just the times, you know, and drugs because we'd smoke drugs with people. And mm, mm. Um, I, I'd left school very early, but a lot of people were at uni. They, they were educated. Mm. Uh, 
they were right. <laughs> Mm. And they told me about the ozone level way back then. They told me not to use spray cans. Yes, I never have. Layer, yes, I've never yes. used one since. Right. And I figured, you know, these people, they know. They know about They things. know things. They they've been do to university. Know yes, they're at oh, university. And you're let us spray by the educated. <laughs> informed opinion. Informed opinion. opinion. Oh. But they, a lot of their opinions, most of their opinions turned out to be correct. Oh, so, okay. yeah. Right. So, yeah. So, so the moratorium kind of ran out of puff by 1972 yes. when all the draft resistors were uh, released. Yes. <laughs> uh, people don't understand. Do you know when the troops, were, the last troops were brought out of Vietnam? Can't it was actually the McMahon government that actually brought back the last troops. Right. But what William did is actually release the draft resistors. Okay. Hmm. Yep. So what happened after that? So, uh, well, after that I had children and did a whole lot of things. But I guess um, the next time I got involved in actually going to marches and things like that would probably be the war in Iraq. That's a big gap. That's yeah. at least 20 years, 20, no, near almost 30 years. <laughs> so between 1970 and 1980... All right, hang on. Uh, you were lost. Hang on. You were Let lost. Think. You were lost. Think. Nothing okay. happened. Well, things well, happened. Had, Children happened. Children happened. I did live in Brisbane during Bjorki Peterson's awful mm. rain. That's nice. So what, years, what years were there? Uh, I was there from about 73... Yeah, till... Till 79, 80. 79, 80, yeah. What suburb did you live in? Uh, well, first of all, Seven Hills, which mm-hmm. is a quiet... Okay. South near the Art College, near the yes. Seven Hills Art College. Uh, yeah. But then in West End, Hill yeah. End, that oh, way. Mung, Mung being territory. <laughs> Mung being territory. Not so much then. Not then, that must have yeah. been the 70s. Yeah. It was the only place I ever saw anyone that wasn't either Aboriginal or White Australian. I didn't see any Europeans. There were no mm. pizzas. There were no, you know... Greeks running mm. fish and chip shops or anything like that. Yeah, you know, well, it was near a the very St. Lucia campus, that's right. Yeah, mm. yeah. How come we never met? We never met. <laughs> How come you and I never met, Lani? We Where were you living? Were, well, I was born in Brisbane. <laughs> yeah, I was no. at university between... That's why, because I'm uneducated. <laughs> I wasn't at you're, university. You're uneducated. Yes, I was uneducated. Uneducated. Street educated. So... so, so <laughs> What did you like about the Bielke Peterson regime? Nothing. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> no, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> I yeah. I my ex partner, mm-hmm. his father was an iron worker, mm-hmm. and he certainly let me know as soon as I arrived <laughs> what he thought. He was a unionist, yeah. uh, quite a strange old guy, but lovable, and just. Died in the wall, unionist and anti Joe Bielke Peterson. Right. <laughs> so you know, I could have been prime minister. Okay. If it wasn't for the uh, Queensland trade unionists. Okay. Because me and me mate, when we were sixteen, we wandered up the rickety back steps of Trades Hall, and we walked in and we said, with our you know long hair, and, and we said, we want to join the Labor Party. Okay. <laughs> and they looked at us and they said, get out. Oh. We don't want people like you. Wow. This was 1968. So wow. obviously they changed their tune they after a few years. They obviously did. Yeah. If they didn't have people that looked like that. They'd have nobody left. <laughs> no. Because they're they the only ones been. who are against the Bielke Peterson government. Well, so I had never met anybody that admitted to voting for Joe. Oh, they all did. <laughs> but they, they must did. have. Oh, they did. And even in Brisbane they did. They all denied it in did Brisbane. Did they in Brisbane? All denied it. Well, it's not, well, 
No, they loved him. Mm-hmm. He was a hero. And Flo. Uh, Don't mean, forget Flo. Flo's all right. Ladies. Look, I, I've, got a great, I've got a great deal of respect for J.B. Peters, and you know why? Any man who can publicly say on radio and television that, you know, it's $400,000 turns up in a brown paper bag outside your office, wouldn't you take it? Wouldn't you take it? <laughs> well, come on, answer me, Lani. I'd be too much. I'd be terrified, right. to be, be honest. Terrified. Yeah. Well, that's how he, that's how he figure, excused it. I'd figure uh, that it's got to belong to someone. Sting or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm watching this interview and I think... 4,000, maybe. I'm thinking, what a great man. <laughs> what a great man. He just comes up. Remember his famous line? Feeding the chooks. Oh yes, he was he was Trump before Trump existed. A lot of stuttering and yeah, yeah. Why yeah. you don't you don't you worry about, <laughs> about that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Feed. The, I'm going to feed the chooks. You know, he's going to talk to the media. The man the of the, the man of the land. Yeah, never. He was a New Zealander, you know. Okay. Did you know that? No. He wasn't born no. in Queensland. He was a New Zealander. Okay. Ring in. Foreigner. Bloody foreigner. <laughs> Should have been expelled. All right. So, did you get involved in any any protests? In Brisbane. Illegal then? Yes. No, I don't think I did. I have to confess, I I don't want to bring this up, but I was involved with, let's call them a meditation group. I had a... I had a spiritual teacher. So part of the reason I wasn't politically involved in mm. that period was mm. I was busy sort of finding myself and right. so forth and becoming a vegetarian mm. and, mm. yeah, yeah. T- turning my back on my evil life, previous right. life. And did you find yourself? <sighs> Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> And then came the, the psychotherapy, did it? Yes. <laughs> Something like and, uh, that. Uh, yes. You decided that your evil life wasn't bad after all. <laughs> well, yeah, I was a happier person. I was, right. I was leading, yeah, pretty, pretty uh, closeted life, shall we say. I wasn't in an ashram, but I was living in a community yeah, for quite a while. Yeah, yeah. And so, in West End. Yeah, I, oh. and I was, uh, yeah, worried about inner. Inner issues yeah, rather right. than outer issues. All right, yeah. I, I could be rude, but I'm not going to no, say. I, don't. I, was, I was going to say, you've got gastrointestinal. Do you have gut problems, inner issues? <laughs> no, or are you talking about deeper soul things? Yeah. Soul things. Oh, oh, right, okay. <laughs> Dar, can we terminate the interview, please? <laughs> not at all. Continue. Not at all. All right, so you leave Brisbane. Yep, came back to Melbourne, moved uh, to the hills. The hills. What do you mean, the hills? Cockatoo, then. All oh, right. But just in time for the bushfire. Yeah, I moved the there. 1983 bookshop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Moved there in, I think, October. That's 82. right. You told us you got a four-bedroom house. Yes, and you didn't even expect to get it. Yes, yeah, yeah. but in that you year, you profited from other people's misery. <laughs> in that year, I don't. I have my own misery. In that year, I lost my mum, mm. my stepfather, and I had two babies. Mm. <laughs> All two with, babies in one year. Well, 14 months, and the town burnt to the ground. Right. <laughs> So it was a pretty memorable time yeah, around that year. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. Lucky you hadn't found months. yourself. Yeah, lucky. Yeah, because, because if you had found yourself, you'd have been so zonked out, you wouldn't have bothered. <laughs> All right, so you, so what type of things happened in Cockatoo? What, what would you describe <laughs> well, after in 1983? Fire was the biggest thing ever yeah, to happen. Yeah. It was a pretty small community mm. up until then. I think there was 600 people right. when we first went there and it was very quiet. And then for a while, uh, 
after the fire, land was dirt cheap. Everyone, the people that weren't rebuilding just wanted to get out. Mm. And so there was an influx of people uh, came up to Cockatoo, moved in, and suddenly we had thousands of people and no uh, facilities, no real public transport, things like that. You got a train, haven't you? No. You haven't? You'd get the bus to Belgrave, which what's is about half that, an hour. What's that thing I cross? Oh, Puffing Billy. Oh, that's Puffing Billy Yeah, that's track. Puffing Billy oh, track. right. Yeah, Here I was yeah. thinking it was a train to Copper too. Because there was one of those. That's a Puffing Billy yeah, track. Yeah, yeah. So oh. got it crossing. Uh, and so there was a youth, bit of a youth problem. A youth <laughs> problem. Your kids, was it? No, it wasn't my kids. Oh, they right. were little. <laughs> so I did get a bit involved in the youth uh, club for a while, what helping club? youth club, cockatoo youth club. Who set that up? The local council? Uh, no, just some p- local people. Mm-hmm. And I thought, yep, yeah, I'll get involved. I assume you that. had police checks and uh, working no, children's nothing. <laughs> no, <laughs> nothing. We <laughs> just set it up. No, right, nothing. Right. So what did um, you do there at the youth club? Oh, activities. Girls right. did makeup and right. hair and. <laughs> just various things. activities, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there was literally nothing much mm. for them to do. Yeah. So that was my first taste, I guess, of community work, if you like. And um, just after that, there was uh, a, a short class, a short course in working with community, mm-hmm. which was free. <laughs> so well, I went cockatoo, along. Yep, yeah. yep, at the health centre. So I went along to mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. I think it was actually called People Working with People. Mm-hmm. So I went to that and started to get a vague idea that this might be something I'd like to do at some stage mm-hmm. when I can. What, why did you think you'd like to do it? What attracted you to the work? Um, I like people. I'm interested in people. Um, people would always come to me with issues and I'm a pretty good advocate. Mm, you're a fixer. I am a fixer. <laughs> at, the, at the risk of being compared to Christopher Pine. Yeah, yeah, you're a fixer. I'm a bit of a fixer, yeah. yes. I'm better at uh, advocating for others than I am for F- myself. Fixing your own problems, yes, I understand. That, yes, yeah. because, you know, then you can forget all your because, problems. Because people look at you and they say, oh, this woman's got a bit of spirit. <laughs> And they gravitate towards you because maybe and then they then they pour out their problems and you're just sitting there and thinking, I've got more problems than you, but I'm going to have to do something about this. Is this correct? This is correct. Yeah, and I, I think it was so. a way of just focusing out out a bit after mm. I'd inward focus. Right. Um, yes, and I found that I was quite good at uh, getting getting things fixed up. I did. Mm. <laughs> What, with the local council? Or, uh, um, or? Off, I remember one person needed an urgent Office of Housing transfer right. and I was able to write a, a good letter and help her with that. You realise that wouldn't hold now, water today? No, but this just, was then. This was then. People yeah. actually cared a little bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. back then. Because there, no, there was no suggestion of privatising the public no, housing sector. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Thank goodness. Yeah. Uh, well, she was actually... Her, she'd lost custody of her children and mm. they'd gone down to the Frankston area right. and she was stuck in this house in Cockatoo and couldn't have contact. So, anyway, I sort of... I'd looked through all the policies and so forth and then... Uh, written a letter that 
Christian so you were those things. A jailhouse lawyer, basically. I was a jailhouse lawyer, except not in jail. I've for... been to court for so many people, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and I love the law. Mm-hmm. I'd love to have been a lawyer if I didn't have to do the work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you would be a barrister then. Oh, okay. Because then the work's done for you, and you just read it and then go out and advocate. I could do that. I reckon you could. I could do that. I'd mm-hmm. love to do that, actually. I'd be it's like Irene Bolger, that's doing right. a barrister late in life. Yeah, it's not too late. Okay. But that's if you want to waste your life becoming a lawyer. I wouldn't understand why you wanted to do no. that. No, I'm happy to just stay off. Apparently, mm. I'm a Mackenzie friend or something. That's right. <laughs> they yeah. call it. Mackenzie I friend. heard that the other day. Yeah, Mackenzie yeah. Friend. But it's up to the magistrate whether they listen to you. Yes, but now that people can't get legal aid unless they're actually mm. definitely at risk of mm. going to prison, mm. uh, the magistrates are more open to. Someone talking. You, you realise that as a McKenzie friend, you do have a legal obligation, and if you give the wrong advice, they can sue you. Did you know that? No, but I don't it's have not like being a No, it's not <laughs> like being a good Samaritan. I don't have anything, so go for it. Go for it. Well, that's good. I'm, glad. I'm just good warning thing. you. One good you. thing, you've seen my car, <laughs> and other than that, yeah, well, I don't have much, you've seen so they can sue me. I've seen yours too, <laughs> so you won't get sued either, probably. <laughs> not for the car, anyway. Not for the car. No. All right. So, so yeah. how long did you last in Cockatoo? Ages. It's the longest I've ever lived what, anywhere. What's ages? 10 20 years. years. So what type of activities apart from that did you get involved uh, in? I started, as I discussed in my previous now forgotten interview, <laughs> I, I, did have, I did have a period of drug use, hmm. flash abuse. Uh, the next thing I got involved with was... Uh, I saw an ad in the Herald Sun, of all mm. things, in the in the classifieds, asking for ex-IV drug users mm. uh, to please contact this number right. <laughs> about some work. All right. Did you, so, did you think you were going to be dealing, did you? When you I didn't know the... what I was going <laughs> to be doing. But I mean, it's a strange ad, isn't it? It was a very strange ad. And uh, so I, of course, rang, yeah. and it turned out it was uh, it was based in Windana. Do you know mm. Windana? Mm. Yeah, it was based at Windana, and it was this was around the time of the AIDS scare and right. the, the Grim Reaper ads mm. and all this. A bit before that, actually. Yeah. Mm. And what they were looking for was to try and educate people who were really at risk of picking up the HIV virus mm. and. Someone had come up with the brilliant idea of getting peers to, That's you know, right. to educate people. Well, I didn't get the job, <laughs> but... Well, did, did you have any track marks on your arms? <laughs> no, I didn't, <laughs> but that's not why. Yeah, right. So I think they already had the two people that they employed, course, but yeah. basically they asked, could you stay and do the course? So it was oh. an actual six-week course. Did you have to pay for the course? Nothing. No, good, they even, good, good. sometimes they even paid for a cab from right. Cockatoo so, for me. Cockatoos are where? To St Kilda. That's a big fair. They must have had funding, good funding. They must have had good funding. Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so I did the course and I think it went for six weeks. And again, mm. it got my interest, got, you know, about working in the community. We were mainly coming up with ideas of how to reach people mm. so that the two that were employed had some ideas of, of 
you know, they were two young gay guys, intravenous drug users, and, yeah, they had the, the dual task of trying to educate their community and IV users, and it was challenging. Gig. Yeah, well, That's challenging. a tough gig. They could have had HIV themselves. I think they did. They did, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's probably why they got the job. The job. They were stakeholders. They were stakeholders. They had <laughs> yeah, a, yeah. Oh, well, and, and did that lead to anything, that course? Ah. Uh, so where, yeah, after that, I, I'm sorry, I'm not sure what year we're oh, in. i forget about the year. All right. Yeah. Yes, the next thing I did was I put my name down for some voluntary alcohol and drug counselling. Why? What would you bother? Uh, just something to do. You've got, what, four kids or five? I've forgotten. Four. Five. Five. You've got five <laughs> kids at home at Cockatoo wrecking the place. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so. you, you sit down there all sun for <laughs> XIV drug years. As you ring a number, you, you, you know, you're yeah. thankful you don't, you're not, you weren't being employed as a dealer. And, yeah. and now you see a thing about. Yeah, what's it was wrong in with the you, local paper. Do you care or something? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Oh, yeah, right, <laughs> little okay. bit. So I decided I'd go and do that. And they, in turn, had a course as well, which mm, went for six a course. weeks. Yeah. Always a course. <laughs> and uh, they put me on the, the phone line overnight. Overnight. So the phone would be switched to your house and you get people ringing up. With five kids? Yeah, yeah. And you're a single parent at that stage? Yeah. <laughs> five kids in the house. What was the, how old were they from what to what? Uh, I don't know what year it was. <laughs> it's a blur. Probably. Well, they're all going to school. No. No, no. Two preschoolers. Two preschoolers. Yeah, yeah. and th- in three. That's a yeah. tough gig, just looking yeah. after five kids, and now you've got a bloody phone in your yeah. bedroom. Yeah, it wasn't every night. <laughs> it was just sometimes, you know. What? Once a fortnight or what, something. People would ring you up and say, "Well, I'm going to splash my wrist." I no, my boyfriend's just hit up Vegemite <laughs> or something like that. Will he be okay? <laughs> Oh, right. You know, Good. things like that. Yeah. Just, yeah, just. And what would you say to that? How is, how did it, how was it? How does he, non-judgmental things. Non-judgmental. Curious, yeah. not judgmental. And, you know, just gave sensible advice. Like if you're concerned, take him to emerge. You know, just yeah, obvious that type of thing. stuff. And I assume, I assume that was in the course about how to answer somebody. I, I think that, I think I started doing the phone before the course, actually. Before the course. So that's I was pretty much just on my own with and my how, own knowledge. And how long did that last for? I was there for quite a while. I did face-to-face counselling. Excuse me, excuse me. Excuse me. Yes. You do a six weeks course yep. and you're doing face to face counselling. Yeah. Mother of five in Cockatoo. <laughs> so where'd you do the face to face counselling? Uh, so they had a place in Baronia. Yep. And yep. they were called it's gonna it's I think they're called Adric. Adric, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, they were in a church hall. It was just yeah. a very little funky little and then I uh, ran the parents groups. Which parents groups? So for the parents of people who were drug users. Mm, Would they come to the church hall, would they? Yeah, for meetings once a week. So how did they react to what was going on around them? The parents. Mm. Frightened, um, just right out of their depth, Mm. you know. And... um, but, and the main, I guess, object of the group was the, the fact that they could speak to each other. It wasn't just about the facilitator. Mm. might mm. have known certain things, but it was about mm. the, you're not the only one in, in this situation. It wasn't a 12-step program. Right. It actually had a, a, like a, a format 
you know, it went for a certain number of weeks. It was informative. And right, so and, and, you, and you and you ran that, that facilitate. Yeah. What did that entail to facilitate? What did you actually do? Um, just spoke and mm. read things out and right. got quest- asked, You know, they had asked questions. Mm. Would you direct conversation? Yes. As a facilitator. Yeah. 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 Although I hadn't learned how to do that at the time, oh. I hadn't done any group work or anything. Right. But it, yeah. Right. Just. But you're a natural. Did my so best. Didn't yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah. I was pretty shy in those days. I think people don't understand that in those days there was nothing. Yeah, yeah. There was nothing. And I actually knew more than them at least. It yeah. was one area I knew yeah. a bit about. Mm. So, you know, I felt I had something to contribute. So that was where my confidence came from. To so how did you get to Cockatoo for, to Baronia? I was driving. Driving. Unlicensed. Unlicensed. <laughs> how about the five kiddies? Uh, it was uh, the older ones would have looked after, after the, the younger, younger ones, ones as we did in those days. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, yeah. for many years I worked in the evenings from five till nine, mm. and the older ones would look after the younger ones. I'd make dinner, right. walk out the door, and they were in charge. And of yeah. course, I'd get the num the, the calls. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I worked at a local. Johnny won't. Johnny yeah, won't go to bed. Won't clean their teeth. Yeah, he yeah. hit me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and your so. mothering as well as working at a local video shop. I don't think I know we've made light of it, but I don't, I don't think people realise how bloody hard it is to bring up five kids, especially by yourself with a limited income. Yeah. So yeah. I'd like to acknowledge. Thank you. I'd like to acknowledge how hard that is and how well you've done. And I wouldn't have been able to do it without public housing, I must mm. say. Well, that's right. You wouldn't have had the security. Would no, you? the rent was like sixty dollars a week for a four-bedroom mm. house. So it yeah. really helped. You know. Yeah, and the key was you knew you weren't going to be pushed out. Of no. It. And that's, no. that's the difference with private housing, whether it's called community or social housing. That's, yeah. the, that's the essential difference. Yeah. Look, it's 4.30. You're well, you're doing well. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of languishing here. Now, I, now I'm going to get this right. Elaine. Yes, Laney. Laney Cruz. Yes. This is her second interview. I've been forced to interview her this afternoon. <laughs> Zoe was supposed to come here. It's her bloody birthday, yes, so she hasn't turned up. She was frightened that I would make mincemeat of her. She was right. <laughs> she was mean. right. He's mean. <laughs> but we barely scratched the surface last time Laney was here. No, so. no, I understand. I understand. Popular demand. Popular you've been, demand. You've been okay. brought back. I, uh, I mean, we brought back Irene Bolger three times. So, oh, wow. So, but the two's enough for you. Yeah, 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 I know yeah, Irene. No, no, no. no. <laughs> All right. Never let us strike. Yet. Yeah. Yet. Can be done. Yes. So you leave Cockatoo? I left. Uh, oh, the other thing I was going to say is, yes. I don't know if I should say this about the public housing house, mm. that lovely house, but mm. at one stage I had a big run-in with the ha- Office of Housing right. and took them to court. You mm. took them the to court? court. Mm. About what, uh, repairs? Or over what? repairs, yeah. yes. And uh, I worked on it, you know, I was like Perry Mason. I was on it for about three or four weeks. I had diagrams and photos Uh, and uh, (laughs) I did it all with the Fitzroy Legal Service book. (laughs) I even used a line about, you know, if other landlords have to comply, surely Victoria's biggest landlord (laughs) should be setting an example. And I actually got awarded a couple of thousand dollars. Mm. I was behind in the rent, but they forgot to ask the magistrate that the money 
be directed towards, towards the <laughs> at least some of them. Yeah, yeah. So they they were in the position where I was calling them because mm. I wanted my check. Yep. <laughs> and I was talking about interest on it and so forth. And they were saying, well, you need to pay the rest. No, they didn't. They, they, didn't they, they uh, paid up. They yeah, paid they up. did pay up mm. because there was no application made. So what type of repairs were you looking at? Oh, <laughs> well, there was a shower. The shower had a just a curtain. Mm. And they went through a period of putting glass screens in. Mm. And they, as you probably know, usually get very cheap contractors. That's right, yeah. So I wasn't actually home when this guy put in the shower screen. So what he'd done was he'd... So the the taps were very close to the entrance of the shower. Mm. So what he... And his job... He's not a plumber. He's just there to put a screen. So to get it in, he had to take off the hot water tap to Mm. fit the the glass screen on. Mm. And so I ended up with um, a cold tap and another tap that couldn't have a top on it because it wouldn't fit because it was too close to the glass screen. So I had to use pliers every time I wanted to have a shower. Mm. So there was that. There was bits and pieces, toys. Sometimes it's strange how sometimes they can get so intransient about things and other times (laughs) they just come along and give you a new shower. Exactly, yeah, Mm, exactly. It just depends on the... I did know some people that burnt their kitchens down to get Mm. new kitchens, but I I didn't feel... feel, No, no, I was quite happy. You're you're not that type of person. No, I was quite happy. And we wouldn't encourage that here on 3CR. No, no, it's a bit desperate. Especially on Radical Australia. No. All right, so you leave Cockatoo. I leave, so... uh, by then, I'd done quite a bit of a bit of uh, represent helping people in court, writing letters, that kind of thing. So around this time, I decided. What? Just to give us a rough idea, yes. what what year? Nineteen twentieth so century, twenty first century. We're in nineteen late nineties by now. Right. So before that, before that, yep. even yep. Hawthorne Football Club. Hawthorne Football Club. Yes. Were you the number one member? No, no, you know who that is. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah, but, 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 to my embarrassment. Was this, was this during their really bad period where they didn't win a game in, uh, for the this year? This was... No, no, but I did follow them then. <laughs> did yeah, yeah I'm, my grandkids are fifth generation. Before, support. Before it was Commiserations, gosh. commiserations. I understand. It's a disease. It is. So I don't know if you recall, because you don't follow football, and I don't know if Dale follows football, but in 1996, the AFL came up with a idea of amalgamation of amalgamation mm. with Melbourne Football yeah, Club yeah. so we'd had Hawthorne had had success on the field Melbourne mm. were financially successful and yeah, let's put them together and make the dorks the Melbourne Hawks yeah Melbourne Hawks I like it I like yes, it yes yes so, I remember, and it was, yeah. we were told it was a done deal, don't yeah, bother yeah. tantruming, it's That's just right. going to happen. happen. That's right. And I remember just thinking, how can this happen? How can mm. this be happening mm. to a team that's just won yeah. so many? Third generation supporter, that's right. Fourth. Fourth. Oh no, third, I was third. third. Thank right. you, yeah. Thank you, you said Jerry. grandchildren. You did. Right. Yes, I, I did. Say I can that. count to five. Okay. So, we were told there was just no way, mm. and. Mm. Anyway, I kept thinking there must be some... Uh, mm. Surely everyone's mm. not just saying fine, but weren't we you, weren't, weren't, sure. weren't Weren't you watching the Bulldogs, women? I did watch the Bulldogs, and I did donate yeah. to the Bulldogs. So there's the Bulldogs that happened before you? 
Yes. Yeah, yeah. So that's a good, before good that. template. Yes, before that. Mm. And uh, anyway, somehow I read an article in, was it an article? Mm. Yeah, in the paper about a guy called, his name was Roy Weitzman, mm. and he was calling a meeting of, of supporters who mm. weren't happy yep. with the merger. Was it an extraordinary general meeting or just a No, meeting? no, just a little meeting. Yeah. So myself, my son Tim, who's now a union organiser, and my mm. daughter went mm. along. I think Tim was about 15 at the time. Jade was probably 18, I'm mm. not sure. Mm. But we went along and to the meeting and, you know, there was probably 20 of us mm. <laughs> decided, you know... A whole 20 tell. from the yeah. whole That's a huge <laughs> amount of people from the club. Probably then it was. Yeah. We were a very, you know, not very low membership back yeah, then, yeah, even yeah. though we'd had all that success. So we went along and we were just asked to meet him at Waverley before the game to give out leaflets. leaflets. Yep. Mm-hmm. So as we would be giving these leaflets out, we found that nine out of ten people... Didn't want to emerge. Didn't want to emerge, you know. And so, yeah. So, and I remember uh, we'd have to get there quite early and even giving them out to the players. Mm. And... And the players had said they were all behind the merger, but a couple mm. of them gave us a wink. No, right. You know, and a bit of a smile. Well, yeah, 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 so yeah. we thought we're onto something here. You know, a wink is as good as a yes, nod. Yeah. Yes, So, uh, we, at, at least ascertain, we weren't the only ones that were mm. upset. And without going into the whole story of mm. Don Scott emerging as a leader yep. and... And he came up with the idea that there were people that were willing. We had to get a million dollars. Yep. And there was there were people. There were a couple of businessmen who were willing to put the money up, but Don Scott said no. We have to put it up. We the people have to do it, do it. or it will happen again. Again. Yep. Yeah. So he asked for each Hawthorne member that could to give two hundred dollars right. if they could. And that if the merger went ahead, all money would be returned to, mm-hmm. to those people. Anyway, there were massive rallies. It all turned into a huge thing. There were mm-hmm. massive rallies. I think we lived and breathed it for <laughs> I don't know how long. Mm-hmm. So that was actually my first um, experience of being really involved at the ground level of a campaign. And a successful campaign. And a successful campaign, yeah. So, yeah. so what's happened to the club now? Doing really well, a hundred thousand odd members. I understand that, yep. but with the number one ticket holder, what's, what, what what happened? God, if only I could have voted. If only I'd have known he was coming back. <laughs> I'm sure I could have done something, but, but I didn't. It just appeared again. It just appeared again. Yeah, I don't know why. How's it going? You wondering who we're talking about? Um, no, Kenneth. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Um, I was just, well, I'm just, I'm keen to hear a little bit about flat out. Okay. Well, I'm not at so, this stage. Hang on. Okay, okay. <laughs> Hawthorne okay. Football I'll Club. Get to that. Yeah, Hawthorne okay. Football. That's important. <laughs> did you get a life membership? No, I didn't. I was just one of I'm many. Sure all you were. Oh, I was just one of many. Like people stepped up. Mm. There were grandmas and. <laughs> there were because of course people had to process all this money and keep mm. records of yeah, it. Yeah. There were rallies, there were fundraising initiatives. Mm. So mm. that was the first time I saw that the will, just having the will, 
even though the AFL was saying this is a done, done deal, they were sending out pictures of the jumper, yep. the words of the new, new song, song. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> everything. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and we just spoke to people. We, yeah. we did everything. We, we stuffed envelopes and sent yeah. them out and so forth. Well, so that was my first experience well, of that. Of mass, mass action. Yeah. Successful yeah. mass action. Yeah, yeah. All right, what did that lead to? Uh, then I decided I'd do a course. Another course? Yeah, this was well, a proper... six weeks? This is a proper... Six weeks? No. Proper diploma. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I studied... Six weeks? No, no two right. years. Two years. Uh, it was diploma of... It was called Welfare Studies, and mm. I hate the word welfare, but mm. yeah. Uh, I think it's now called Community Work, which is yeah. even worse in a way. It gives you the feeling of a of child protection worker or something. <laughs> but... During that course, uh, I did all my electives in community development. So, and when I asked to do the Hawthorne story as mm. my essay, my mm. teacher hated football mm. and she didn't want to. But when she, I said, I'm doing it. Mm. <laughs> and she agreed it did fit all the criteria of a grassroots movement. Yeah. Yep. So, and I think I told you at my, my last interview that I ended up getting a job at my second placement. That's right, yeah. So then went into the drug and alcohol field and worked with mums on methadone. Um, mm. Ran a program, so when I left that job, Dale. <laughs> can I go? Can I go back to the yes, methadone before yes, we move on? Sure. Can I go back sure. to methadone? Now, I've got. I've had a number of patients on methadone. Yeah. It's notoriously difficult, difficult to, get, to off. get off. Did you find the same? I had an agonising time getting off. The mm. last ten milligrams, I think. Mm. Took me about two years yeah, yeah. <laughs> of a, a drop of a milligram at a time. It's mm. like someone calls it. So a few people call it the death of a thousand cuts. cuts yeah. uh, and I found that I needed help sometimes sleeping in those first few days after the drop and mm. so forth. But now it's a lot easier because we have um, buprenorphine mm. and buprenorphine, mm. and you can do a switch over, as yes. you probably know. Yeah. And that can can make it a lot easier now. Oh, just so hard in the yeah, old days. It is really hard, and mm. I mean, I it wasn't the only time I'd been on it. Mm. It was about the third time, but mm. it was as I said last time. I just figured I'm, this is my last time I'm ever going to be on it. Doesn't matter how long it takes, as long mm. as I get off it. So, right, right. to all those out there, if anyone's listening that think you can't ever get off methadone, mm. you can. Well, you can. You I, can va- I can vouch for that yes, too. You, you can. It takes time, can. but you can. Yes, it if there's a will, persistent. there's a way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you've got to be kind to yourself. That's right. Yeah. Now, what were you Flat asking out. about? What do you ask about, Dale? What was all this about? Flat oh. out. Are you asleep again? Flat out, eh? No, not, <laughs> not at all. Not at all. But I think it it it, it sort of follows on from you yes. know your incredibly generous work with. Um, you know, with IV drug users and with women in, yeah. in general. And yeah, I've course, always ended up working with women for some reason. Not like I don't like men, I do. No, but, but it, you know, having, that way. Yeah, and having that lived experience as a peer kind yes. of, you know, yes. it would make you so much more approachable 
to yeah. it. Right. So, yeah, tell our listeners a little bit about Flat Out because okay. I'm, I'm interested to hear more okay. about it as well. Yeah, so after I left, I eventually got really burnt out from that job uh, with the methadone mums, for what of a better description, at, at um, Task Force. And I saw I had a little bit of time off, maybe a couple of months, and I was just starting to really like that, <laughs> being a lady that lunched and got in. The first time I'd ever got my nails done or anything like that in my whole life. Um, anyway, uh, I saw on Facebook my son had posted this ad to my page, and I said, wow, this place almost sounds perfect, <laughs> you know, like they've got a, a political conscience. Um, they're out there as far as they're a women's collective, you know, they were looking for an outreach worker. Mm-hmm. And although I wasn't really keen on working in the homeless sector because I knew how hard it was going to be, I was pretty keen because they are women that have been in prison mm. and I thought that's going to be fantastic. So, yeah, I spent yeah. almost three years with Flat Out. Yeah, so for people who don't know yes. what, what Flat, Flat Out, Out is, mm-hmm. it's an organisation that supports women who've been incarcerated or who are at risk of being incarcerated and uh, as well as providing, ha- well, not providing housing but being a, a housing organisation in that they refer people to housing and help them access housing. Mm. Uh, They have agreements with certain agencies and a certain number of houses that are allocated to clients. They also do a really good job of advocating for prisoners, women prisoners in particular. So um, was that part of your your work? Unfortunately not, (laughs) but I did get asked to contribute. we weren't the authors of any papers or anything like that, but we were certainly invited to contribute. And the people that were doing, we had a sort of a subsection at the time called CRIP, the Centre for the Rights of Prisoners. I'm not sure what the I was, but rights. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Centre for the Rights of Prisoners. Mm-hmm. And so they did a lot of um, writing papers and like around the time I was there, the Royal Commission into um, Domestic Violence was taking part. And of course, um, speaking uh, in, it's sort of speaking on behalf of women who've been uh, imprisoned, their relationship with the police, yeah. if they're if they're experiencing domestic violence, is going to be a lot different to a housewife or a person that's never had contact with police in a negative way. And what we'd find is that a woman would call the police because of a domestic violence incident. And the police would turn up and say, ah, Mary, we've got warrants for your arrest. arrest. Oh, right, yeah. Yes, but, you know, no, 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 mm. come with us, yeah. you know. And so we put in a, a, a quite a big submission to the, the Royal Commission on behalf of criminalised women and, you know, that the police really need to just address the situation at hand mm. and help them as they would anybody else, obviously. It seems obvious, but mm. it wasn't happening. Mm. So, um, yeah, so there was a lot of... Uh, so. Uh, I was one of three workers on the ground. We were outreach workers. We'd spend a lot of time out at the prison talking to women that were close to release 
and we would arrange to support those women on release. Mm. And that might be right from the minute they get out. They may have nowhere to go. Mm. And since then, some other organisations have um, also taken up this situation. There's been a lot of funding made available to some of the really big organisations. But I think the advantage we had it flat out was the experience of people like Amanda George and uh, the people that were on the board, we had a very strong board in those days, who had been activists for years and years mm-hmm. uh, against prisons. So, yeah. you know, we had good knowledge of what goes on in prisons yeah. well, and I'm so forth. I'm interested in the structure of yep. Flat Out. You said it was a collective. A feminist collective. So was it self-funded or did they, no. they got government funding? No, government funding. But, but, but they, the government didn't actually say they had to follow a particular... Uh, they had, yes, they did. Mm. So that's why they had CRIP, mm-hmm. which was this separate entity with a different name, right. as, even though everyone knew it was flat out. Right. Um, they had philanthropic funding, which eventually sadly ran out. Yes. Because as it, as it does when people die or move on. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, they tried and tried to keep that funding up. Is it still going? Flat out, yes. Yes, yeah. Well, anything else? Oh, no, just, it just would be, it's incredibly important work, but it must be, I don't know, really confronting or difficult, you know. Yeah, it's but exhausting. It would be, and yeah. sort of, but I suppose you'd be more approachable, say, you know, to, than, than someone who's never had that lived experience. You I know. hope so, yeah, I hope yeah. so. Um, I always take a peer based um, attitude. Not, not. I'm not an expert on anything. Um, pretty much, they're the experts. The person I'm working with is the expert on their life. And but it's the I peer who can translate the expert absolutely, into, yes. into the language that the yes, person. Yes, absolutely. And the women that I worked with were mainly not young women. They were women that had done a lot of prison. Um, they had. Uh, you know, issues upon issues compounded, mm. you know, and you try to sort of make things as easy for them as possible. Some of them had brain injuries. Mm. There were all sorts of women from all, all types of background. Mm. Um, and a lot of them had no support whatsoever, no family support. And uh, it was certainly an exciting job <laughs> and an interesting job. We were on call? No, 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 that was was one good thing, we weren't on call. But it's almost a shame in a way Mm. that there's not someone on call because most things don't happen between nine and five, as we know. But, I mean, a good worker will, uh, Mm. I guess, arm their client with Mm. numbers and places that they can call, Mm. you know, and think ahead, Mm. you know, help them plan ahead and make Mm. sure they're not in um, chaos and emergency all the Mm. time. So Mm. that was the aim, was to, to help people sort of... Um, so we ha- they'd be in transitional housing, waiting for permanent housing, but that that was the very, you know, the very <laughs> basic thing. Then there'd yeah. be their drug history, their mental health history, their family violence history, mm. and their criminalisation. And um, it, it was often good when they came out of prison because they'd usually have called all their fines in and things. Mm. But we have a new problem now that if someone's born overseas and they call in their fines, I think I've got this right, mm. they can be viewed as um, cumulative. 
So, you know, now if you are sentenced mm. to a, a period of prison, I think it's two years or mm. longer, and you're from another country like New Zealand, for mm. example, you can be sent back. Yes, so, right. you know, people have to be very careful. Exactly. But yeah. we did we did work closely with Darabin and other legal services, mm. and we actually ran programs in the prison as mm. well mm. that were really... Um, more an opportunity to speak to the women, mm. like, you know, getting in there to, to run a program means you've got access to the women. You find out what's going on in the prison, what the concerns are in the prison, things like that. So, yeah, it was quite an amazing, amazing experience working mm. there. So this went on for three years? For three years, And yeah. then what, you just burnt out or you just uh, rest or...? I won't go into why I left. No, 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 you don't have to. No, 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 no. no. I'm just <laughs> saying... Yes, there was a reason. There was a reason. Yes. There always is. Yes. So did, did, have you done anything since? No, I've given more time to my other activities. Have other activities? Some... Well, I've well, you're been... Not, you're not inward-looking again, are you? <laughs> you no, no, the no. Disease. She said no. activism. Activism. I'd like to give a shout-out if anyone's <laughs> listening at the Chemist Warehouse picket line. Yeah. Keep going, guys. You're doing an amazing job. Tell us about that picket line. So that is the distribution centre at... Summerton, mm. which is a very long way it is, yes. <laughs> from the hills. Yes. So they're on strike for better wages mm. and conditions. There's been allegations against uh, uh, management of sexual mm. harassment. Mm. Only like allegations, that. obviously. Uh, well, well, I, I, we I, I will say, call them we, allegations. All we can say at this stage yes. is allegations. Yes, have there's, been made. Uh, they're being looked into. Yeah, but there's been no court case, so they're allegations. No, they're right. allegations. And I'm being the careful. Line, yeah, well, yes. we all have to be careful yes. when you're broadcasting publicly. Absolutely. Um, and what other things? The, have I been up to? Mm. I go usually to counter-protest the far right. Right. You normally go? I usually go. Right. And obviously um, all those people who've said over the years it's a waste of time exactly. have woken up. Uh, I don't know uh, if have they have. So many people have said to me, don't mm. give them oxygen. Mm. They'll just go away. They won't go away. They no. aren't going away. They grow. They yeah. grow. You're right. Uh, the last big one, uh, the last one I went to was at St Kilda, but before mm. that, Summerton again. Yeah. Everything happens out there. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't quick enough to move on, and I copped a, either a punch from the police or a baton in the mm. back. Mm. I ended up with three bruises on my back. Right. Really pushed me over just because I didn't move, move quickly. quickly. Yeah. yeah. So well, I. Well, they like come out going, move, move, move. Yeah. 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 And I was like, do yeah. they mean me? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Now, all of you, all you old people, move on. Because you're a golden oldie. I wasn't There's quick no enough. Yeah, There's no protection no. for golden oldies. Oh, but boy, did I give him a mouthful. I can imagine. You it's a wonder I wasn't You arrested. said I could be your grandmother. That's always a good line. I could. Well, would you treat your grandmother like this? That's a funny one because I have used that one. <laughs> I know you would. Yeah. I was also involved in the Noam McDonald's protest. Oh, yes, at which the Which is how I know yeah. Zoe. Yep. Yeah. And that was a long haul. Yeah. Uh, and there's still people protesting to this day on a Correct. Friday out yeah. there. That's right. Um, what else? Uh, 
get often picket lines. I'll just choose one. Yeah. If there's something going on, why not go and just for a day or is this, is this a few of, hours? Is this your son's influence or? Uh, well, my son works for the NUW, mm. so they have some very worthwhile strikes. Strikes, they do. That's often right. involving uh, farm workers and yes. things like that. Mm. Um, so yeah, it is. But also anything, if it, if I think it's unfair, mm. and I can get there, I'll go for yeah. a while. Laney, I'm going to ask you the big question. This is the big question. We asked the Joe, big questions on Radical Australia. didn't know Australia. you cared. Well, I do. No, the big question. Oh, bigger okay. than that. Oh, bigger wow. than that. Bigger than that. What's that thing on your arm? What's that growth on your arm? This one here? Yeah, what's that? This is my bread and roses tattoo. Uh-huh. How long have you had that one for? I got that around my 60th birthday. Oh, is that a birthday present to yourself? Yeah, I think my kids... Put in for put it, it yeah. and yeah. I wanted something radical because yes, I knew yes. one day I'd probably get to be on radical. Of course, well, it's fine now, that's right. <laughs> and I didn't, yes, I only could have dreamed, but I didn't want to have um, a hammer and sickle, sickle or something no, too no, butch. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I decided because the story of bread and roses is just so beautiful, yes. I just love so, it. Tell us the story quickly. The story is it's about a strike of women fabric workers in 1912 in mm. Massachusetts, mm. and they were in those days all the dyes and things from the stuff they printed meant that they actually didn't live very long Mm. because they were breathing in all these things anyway they decided to go on strike and the the bread and roses context is that they said that they they should have enough money to live on but every now and again they should be able to also afford to buy themselves flowers Mm. so it became known as the bread and roses strike and they were out for quite a long time they had you know people with the cops with bayonets at their stomachs Mm. they had to send their children away to be looked after but they stood staunch those Mm. women and it just I could tear up just thinking about it. Mm. I've told so many people the story because of my tattoo, mm. and so I'm really glad I've got it for That's that great. reason. Well, I'm yeah. very glad you wore short sleeves. Yes, you and, would and have never got, known. And, and you've got through the other stage of your life, otherwise you could have been wearing long <laughs> sleeves and I wouldn't have seen the tattoo. No, exactly. That's so yes. I'm really pleased. Lainey Cruz, it was a pleasure talking to you a Thank second you. time. Thank I must apologise to Zoe. I abused her this morning. I said, oh, how dare how you dare send she? that woman back. Oh, dear. I'm yeah. so sorry. <laughs> but, but, but she was right and I was wrong. You've been a very entertaining, but more importantly, very informative Thank guest. You. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Lainey.
could see no reason to find my way back home. And the woodsman lives by the river in the valley. And he waits for me like a spider between the trees. Could be struggling for you. 